the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. All right. That's the origin. That's the origin. You remember what movie came from? Was it Holiday Inn? Ding, 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 ding. Very good. Way to go. My first thought was Christmas in Connecticut, but I was like, I don't think he was in no, that movie. No, no. It, that was, uh, it was a throwaway song, in fact. Bing didn't even like it. And it became his biggest hit. <laughs> Everybody loves that song. All right, so uh, we've got the uh, health plan man joining us this morning. I'm surprised he's up. You know, he's not a young a young one anymore. So, uh, <laughs> what's going on, Pat? Hey, man, good talking to you. Good Dave. to have you with you on the show. And uh, I understand you've got someone else from your family joining us today. Yeah, my son-in-law is a new agent working with me. He's part of your health plan, man, now. Fantastic. That says good things. That says says business is going well right now. Yeah, very, very well. That's for sure. Well, that, that's good. Well, we're getting to the end of uh, the time that people can, you know, pick up uh, different uh, health care plans and things of that nature. So, I mean, what what's the cutoff date? Uh, open enrollment is uh, through uh, December fifteenth, but we do plans all year round. So, but okay. people that have to, you know, that are looking at the marketplace, things like that, that cutoff is December fifteenth. But I tell you what, I've had so many people coming to me this year, and uh, one of the things that I've been really sharing with people, you know, Dave, that the thing we probably hear the most is. Uh, it sounds too good to be true or it doesn't make sense the way you guys do your plans. And, you know, you go to the doctor and you get paid, you get a check, uh, you go to the hospital in many cases or urgent care, whatever you get a check. And so the reason that it really does make sense is if you think of it this way, if you're listening to me and you have an insurance plan with one of the big name companies, Blue Cross, things like that, you go to the urgent care, you're going to have a 50 or or $100 copay. Well, my wife went to the urgent care last year, and she got a check for almost $400. Mm. Well, how can one company charge you and the other company give you money? The answer is there's a lot of money that's available there in the healthcare system, and with your standard plans with all those big-name companies – they give you a copay, and our company kicks the middlemen out that take up all that extra money, and we pass it on to you. 
And when you look at it that way, it makes perfect sense. If you go to the hospital and you get a, a steroid injection, for example, the hospital pays 75 cents for that steroid injection, but they bill the insurance company $360. So that stuff goes on all the time in the healthcare system. And instead of you being under that, gun, you know, under that, that weight of the insurance system, we take you outside of that and we put you in control. And so basically if what we pay for a service, like a doctor visit or urgent care visit or whatever, if that bill is less than the amount that we pay, then you get a check. If it's more, you write a check. Very it's just cool. really that simple. That's why I've got bunches of people, Dave, that are leaving their work insurance, uh, you name it to uh, to jump on board with us. I've just about everybody I'm talking to lately that has a legitimate situation. I'm giving them a plan instead of what they're on currently. Well, sign up as many people as you can, Pat, because I'm tired of seeing Joe Namath on TV. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the Medicare thing. I, my <laughs> wife and I talk about that all the time. I'll be so glad. Now, their enrollment for Medicare is, it was done December 7th. That's oh. when the cutoff is for that. So we good. But, but, you know, they'll have the carryover commercials and stuff for a little bit. We'll have to put up with that. But, yeah. hey, that's going to go away soon. But, yeah, it's it's been incredible. And, you know, I just my appeal is go to my website, yourhealthplanman.com, yourhealthplanman.com. And there's a place on there. You can click a button and give me some basic information and I can get a hold of you. Here's the thing with me. You have nothing to lose except for a few seconds of your time to see if I can help you. And I'm saving people thousands and thousands. I saved two families between the two of them, probably $7,000 in premium next year. Yesterday, just that one day. And as of probably maybe February of this year, I'll have a million dollars in annual premium that I'll be managing now. And most of them are in central Arkansas. Fantastic. You, you to be commended, Pat. You've been out spreading the word about this for how many years now? I just started my third year in uh, September this last year. Yeah, so. you, you're doing a good job. You're giving people the information and it it I think it took six months for people to shake their heads and get the cobwebs out and going. This guy is talking uh, reality here. Yeah. Because when you first yeah. brought this out, a lot of people said, "Too good to be true." What's the catch? Very true. Yep. You know, tell me what the catch is. How many people called you up at first and said, "And Corey, you tell me this too." How many people called you up and said, "What's the catch?" What is it that you're not sharing with me that if I sign up for this, I'm going to find out I'm going to owe more more money? Did you get that question a lot? Yeah, we get that all the time. And I want to introduce my son-in-law, Corey okay. Townsend. Um, I tell him all the time, um, you know, I'm not as concerned about taking care of him as I am taking care of his wife. <laughs> yeah, <it makes laughs> my daughter, sense. my baby. But but really, honestly, he's he's awesome and he's really doing a great job. And um, if we have about a minute or so, I want to have him share his story about how he got into this. Okay. And we can do that after a break or whatever, too, Dave, whatever you need. I, I'm, I'm good. Let's go ahead and get okay. him on. I'm 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 looking forward to hearing from him. All right, hey, Corey. Hey, Dave. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Tell, man. Me, tell me what's going on here. Yeah, so, man, 
COVID uh, definitely changed uh, mine and my wife's lives, uh, just as it did a lot of people. Um, at the beginning of 2020, I had no idea I'd be selling insurance. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had, in order to get into the, this sector of the business, obviously I had to go and, and take classes and do all the steps to get my uh, state exam done and just so I'd have the ability to sell insurance. Well, as soon as I started working with my father-in-law, I felt like I had to unlearn everything that I just spent, you know, months learning. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many pages I went uh, through to, to learn about how insurance companies and all the things that they do and the way they coordinate their benefits and everything that they do to keep what they call over-insurance from happening. And over-insurance is pretty much just saying, hey, we don't, you know, if you, if, you, if, a, if a consumer gets, you know, a bill, we want to coordinate so that under no circumstance do we ever overpay the consumer. Right. <laughs> and, and so that was the idea. And, um, and when I, when I came in and I started learning about, you know, th- these products that we're offering, um, I was like, man, I've just got to dump everything I just learned. And, um, <laughs> and I'm like, but, but I, I can't, I don't know how many times I said this to Pat. Um, I'm like, man, this just makes too much sense. And, and so when, when, even when I'm offering it to people on the phone and, and to answer your question that you asked earlier, I mean, I said, listen, we're just transparent. You know, you pay a premium every month for a service. And then when you need that service to kick in, we're offering it to you and we're, and we're, and we're being transparent about it. Well, you know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to fulfill our promise to you when you need us. And people are like, yeah, that's too good to be true. And I said, isn't it a sad world that transparency is too good to be true in the insurance world. And that's the battle. The battle is just demystifying it for people um, and, 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 and just letting them know how easy it actually is. Um, I mean, that's, that's pro- I mean, that's the hardest hurdle sometimes, honestly, to get over when we're selling this. I can only imagine. I mean, I've talked to Pat now for three years about all of this. And, you know, he's readily admitted that people are, were very skeptical at the very beginning, uh, when they would get a hold of the folks there at yourhealthplanman.com. But after they were sat down and talked to and it was explained to them, it just made all the sense in the world. And they got on it, and now they just talk about the the positives of this program to everybody. And and, and Pat has been doing a fan, your father-in-law, has been doing a really great job uh, at this business it just took a while to break through i believe it, uh, of people with their their views of what insurance was and what it hadn't been to understanding that uh, what pat does and what you now do is uh, just with clarity show them how this works for them absolutely all right well listen guys i'm going to take a break And then when we come back, we'll continue. Is that all right with you, Pat? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back with Pat Davis. He's your health plan man. His website, yourhealthplanman.com. He can save you money on health insurance. No doubt about it. So we will uh, take a break. We'll come back and talk more about this. As you know, I was a, um, or am, a veteran of the Air Force. And let me tell you, a military man or woman's worst nightmare. You're trying to sell your home. That's what, you know, you're you're trying to sell your home. 
move into another property and he was uh, you know he was going to move into another property in another state because he was being doing a piece of i mean he's he's doing a permanent change of state and after 6 months of being at his new location he's had no success and he's decided to make what he's own right now a rental property let me tell you being a landlord has its benefits but it has some real downsides as well and then you get along the way and you just don't want to ha- you know handle the hassle of it anymore. So what happens that you don't want to be a landlord and uh, you reach out to a person who can help you sell that property. And the person you should reach out to is Dustin Turner. Now Dustin Turner got uh, involved uh, with Brian and uh, his team put their explosive marketing plan to work. And what they were able to do is uh, get a lot of offers. I mean, it was like being shot right out of a cannon. The first weekend, the home listed, it was sold for 5000 over the asking price. And, uh, you know, today we're talking about Brian. For me, uh, they'll be talking about me sometime next year or at the very beginning of 2022. We could be talking about you as soon as you call uh, Dustin up and let his folks do their thing to uh, get your home taken care of and sold. Dustin Turner with the home team brokered by EXP Realty uh, can give you an instant cash offer even without the larger hidden fees. There's never a risk to you. And this is what I really like about Dustin. Uh, he'll let you out of the contract at any time. No, no problems. Get you out of the contract. And so what I'm going to ask you to, to do today is call the only agent that I would use if I needed to sell my home. And that's Dustin Turner. Here's the numbers to call. 501 952 2969. Or you can just go online to hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. And if you're in the military and uh, you've gotten into a hassle having a home and you can't get rid of it by selling it uh, in a timely manner, then by all means, call Dustin Turner. Dustin Turner, let me give you it again, hometeamsoldit.com. That's the website. Get to it and get it on to where you can pack up the stuff and you can move. And if you're PCSing, it is not a big hassle. All right. More coming your way in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I was getting, I was caught right in the middle of taking a drink of coffee. Sorry. Pat Davis is my guest. Uh, Corey, his son-in-law, is on the line with him. We're talking about your healthplanman.com. And Pat just for the people maybe who have never heard about this, why don't you start by, again, we've got about six minutes here, telling them what's the difference about what you do and what a, a traditional health insurance plan does. Sure. So you have a traditional health plan. Most people are familiar with that. They have through their work, through the marketplace, private insurance, big name companies, you know, Blue Cross, Ambed, or different ones like that. 
you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, you do something, you put your money on the table until they say it's enough. That's your deductible and your uh, 20%, whatever that might be, up to your maximum out of pocket. We do just the opposite. We put our money on the table when you have a claim, and if there's money left over, you get to keep it, and if there's bill left over, you pay it. And we teach people it's such an easy process, and it's so effective. Here, to me, is the best testimony. I did a um, training boot camp. I had my team leader come in from Pittsburgh six weeks ago. I had 11 agents there, and check this out. Four of my agents were uh, clients of mine. And they were telling everybody about the plan and, and I would send them, you know, money for sending me a client and whatever. And I said, you guys should just get your license. And so they did. And then two of the other were, one was my son-in-law, Corey, and the other was um, his niece's uh, husband. So, you know, when we bring six people in that are either family or clients, that tells you a whole lot right there. So what the difference is this. And, and this became a big deal to me, Dave, during the election. So much of this stuff is politicized, as you know. They're talking about, you know, people get COVID, they're going to lose their insurance. They're going to have another pre-existing situation that's going to be stuck with them. And that's just a lie because it's a virus. And so once you test negative, the insurance company puts you on the plan right away. So we have so much they use to drive fear in a wrong narrative. So what they do is they say, we got to have insurance that's going to cover everything, no matter how expensive it gets. That's not the answer. That's the answer of the left. We're going to drive prices, and in doing so, then we've got to make sure the insurance goes along with it as those prices go up. The truth is we want to drive prices down, and we want a system that pays fairly, and that's what we do. So if you have a marketplace plan and you're not getting, you know, some kind of a subsidy or whatever, you really need to get a hold of me because that's where I save people thousands of dollars. And our plans pay you to go to the doctor. We pay you to go to the urgent care. I was in the hospital for four nights last year in June with a pulmonary embolism, almost died. And when I get out of the hospital, my bill's paid in full, and I have almost $3,000 in a check that I got from the company. So one of the things I really want to plead with today is anyone who's self-employed. I know a lot of people are self-employed who have share plans, Christian share plans. Uh-huh. This is something you have to understand. You do not have a write-off for insurance for the self-employed. That's not allowable on a share plan. Now, it is with our insurance, and that's a big deal because that can put a lot of money back in your pocket if you're self-employed. Or if you're self-employed and you have a private health insurance plan, you really need to get a hold of me. As one of my restaurant owner's uh, clients said, I don't understand this. I get a check when I go to the doctor. My kids go to the doctor. We get a check. I don't understand it, but I really like it. (laughs) So he keeps telling people about what we do. And that's what I have. So I really plead to people, if you're self-employed, really, you need to get a hold of me. If you're on work insurance or your spouse is on in your family are on your insurance, I have uh, entire families that are leaving their work insurance. And then if something happens to their job, they already have insurance. Uh, they don't ever have to worry about that kind of a thing again. But I just tell everybody, if you've got an insurance policy, and you think you might be paying too much or you got to pay a lot of money with your deductible and you have co-pays instead of getting paid to go to the doctor, go to yourhealthplanman.com, 
There's a button you can click on there. It gives me a little bit of information, and we can find a time to chat. I do everything over the phone. It's a very simple process. My number is 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935. I love to text. Uh, I do probably more texts than phone calls in a lot right. of cases to set up appointments, and Pat. it's yourhealthplanman.com. All right. Good job. You got the timing correct. We've got the news up next. You know, they're still looking for people for this COVID-19 uh, vaccine study that's going on here in central Arkansas. The study still enrolling. And uh, if you want to help these folks research an investigational vaccine for COVID-19 uh, by participating uh, in this clinical trial, uh, you will have access to no-cost study-related care. You'll also have the opportunity to help advance COVID-19 research. And uh, no insurance is required to take part in this trial. So if you're an adult, you're in good uh, and stable health, you may be able to qualify. What you got to do is reach out, get the more uh, more information that you need at 501-954-7822 or go to c19vaccinestudy.com. Again, 501-954-7822 or c19vaccinestudy.com. You know, the people who join me uh, every month, and I'm always amazed at what's happening at Harding University because they continue uh, to Mm -hmm. expand their graduate programs there. And Michael... uh, uh, McGillard is going to be with us right now. He's the Dean of the College of Allied Health and Dr. Brian Phillips, Professor and Program Representative at Harding University. And guys, let's talk about this. You know, the days of uh, somebody just running out on the field with an ace bandage is over for an athlete. Uh, you need people who know what they're doing so they know how they can help the athlete or how they could do bad things to the athlete. And that's where your sci- your Masters of Science and Strength Training and Conditioning comes in. So, Michael, since you're the dean, why don't you go first and give us a, kind of a, an overview of what you all are doing? You bet. Thanks, Dave. Um, well, first of all, thanks all for having us this morning. This sure. is a great opportunity. Uh, this degree is a really, really fascinating degree, and we're super excited about it. Uh, you know, uh, growing up, many of us have had that opportunity, have had the experience of, of being injured when we're playing sports. And, yep. and uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of us have those injuries that last even to uh, our middle age and even beyond, uh, yep. you know, things that happen to us in high school and college. And uh, a lot of those injuries occur just in the course of play, but some of those injuries also occur due to just the athlete not being really uh, conditioned well. And there's a lot of evidence out there showing that, uh, that injuries can be prevented uh, with the proper strength and conditioning of the athlete. So this degree is really designed for people who want to work with athletes of all levels uh, and work with them in, in uh, injury prevention, but also increasing the level of their performance on the field. So this is a cutting edge area. It's one of the one of the uh things that 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 athletes of all levels really need 
these uh, people who take this degree will um, work with professional athletes, high-level collegiate athletes, and even high school athletes. Uh, this is a, a, an emerging field. All right, so uh, that's the dean of the school, Michael uh, McGalliard, and it's good to have him with us. Let's go to uh, Dr. Brian Phillips and talk to him because he's the professor and program representative uh, for the Master of Science in Strength Training and Conditioning. We've made some huge, huge advances as far as sports medicine goes. Look, I blew out my shoulder when I was in college as a pitcher, and the only thing that happened to me was that they put ice on my shoulder uh, to try to relieve the pain at the time and then told me they were going to have to cut around, just almost do a, a 360 cut around my shoulder, open it all the way up, and then I had a very small chance of ever pitching again. Those days are gone. I mean, the science of of uh, you know strength uh, training, conditioning training, and all that, that's the stuff that you do to prevent injuries. Is that correct, Doc? Uh, that's correct. That's uh but inside of things, we want to strengthen our athletes have been prepared for performance and for the prevention of injury. You're correct. I, I want to make you both laugh this morning. When I was in high school and played high school football, uh, our coach wanted to get into strength training for his athletes. They didn't have uh, weights at the high school, so he went out and he got cans. Uh, he got small cans, he got medium cans, and he got big cans, and he got steel bars, and he filled them with concrete, and he stuck the bars in them, and that's what we lifted when I was in, in high school. <laughs> we've, gone, we've come a long way, doctor, from those days. I mean, you guys know exactly which exercises to do with uh, the athletes, and you know which exercises for what sports you should do and what, uh, you know, exercise you shouldn't do for certain sports. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Well, um, our program is designed to be able to prepare students to be able to work with all athletes at, at a variety of levels. Um, our students actually will have uh, two certifications through two national organizations. One is the NSCA, National Strength and Conditioning Association, the second is the CSCCA, which is the College Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. Um, our students will have CPR, AED, and first aid certification. They'll receive functional movement screen level one certification. Um, through the National Strength and Conditioning Association, they're going to receive the CSCS certification, which is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. And uh, because they have to have 640 hours under an approved mentor strength coach, uh, they will be able to sit for the SCCC, which is the Strength Conditioning Coach Certified Certification as well. So we hope that they will be well prepared for whatever situation they might find themselves in. All right. So um, I might go ahead. I might just note that uh, any information about this, we could actually find this. On our website, harding.edu slash MSSC, Masters of Science in Strength and Conditioning. Yeah, because people need to understand that uh, colleges now 
uh, are required to have a certified strength and conditioning coach on staff. And uh, many high schools are recognizing both the need and the benefit of having individuals trained in strength and conditioning. So there's a lot of opportunities, is there not, Michael, for students uh, to find employment? Yes, sir. This is, uh, as you said, all NCAA division uh, or NCAA associated schools uh, require that uh, the school has a certified strength and conditioning coach. Um, and uh, many high schools as well are recognizing the need. And so, uh, you know, the, this is a growing field. So the, we really feel like the employment opportunities are going to be good. That's fantastic. And, and, Doctor, for the student that's out there and the student athlete that's out there, you want to know that whatever institution you're going to be attending and wherever you're going to be playing the sport that uh, you want to play, that uh, they have the type of program that strengthens your, your muscles and, and your structure of your body so you don't get hurt. I mean, we see enough injuries as it is. A lot of this uh, strength training and conditioning can go a long way to reducing, uh, you know, knee injuries, ankle injuries, and things of that nature. Absolutely. Um, I think something that's unique about our program as well is uh, in our first year, we have classwork as well as introduction to the training conditioning facilities um, and in part of that classwork, we're going to be having a sports psychology class. We'll have a sports nutrition class. We'll have a um, program design class. So, again, uh, the students upon completion will be able to work with a wide variety of, of athletes and uh, prepare them well. All right, Michael McGalliard and uh, Brian Phillips, Dr. Brian Phillips, will be back with us in a moment. We've got to get our final break in this hour And then we'll talk further about this Master of Science in Strength Training and Conditioning at Harding University. It's happening close to you here in central Arkansas, and uh, you'll want to take advantage of this. So more in just a moment. Okay, Michael McGalliard and uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Phillips are both with us today uh, here in this half hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. They're both with Harding University And they're both talking about a new Master of Science in Strength Training and Conditioning uh, degree you can pick up at Harding. Uh, To learn more, if you've got really specific questions and you want to know more, uh, go online to hardingedu slash forward slash MSSC. And uh, I'm sure there's... Uh, all the answers that you'll need there, all the FAQs that you need to, that you need to get. And uh, if there's more questions that you have, they'll have uh, p- people that you can talk to so that you are absolutely sure uh, about this, uh, this program. Now, Michael, is this a program that it, I'm not going to say it's completely unique to Harding, but that Harding is at the tip of the spear as far as this concerned? Yes, sir. There are a few programs out there, but there are very few programs. One of the really uh, unique things about our program is that we prepare our athletes, we prepare our students to to have both of these national certifications. Uh, That's a really unique 
thing about our program because many just uh, prepare them to sit for one. So how important is it to have both of them? Well, I think it's very important because um, uh, it gives you two different avenues to demonstrate uh, knowledge, uh, not only knowledge, but also skills. Uh, many certifications will, will, uh, will demonstrate knowledge, that you have a knowledge of the information, but uh, having both of these certifications demonstrates that the graduate will have both the knowledge to do the work and the skills to do the work which I think is really, really important. Okay, so there's a couple of different ways that you can pursue the MSSC. Uh, You've got a dual degree program for those who are just coming into college, and then you have uh, the traditional for those who have any kind of undergraduate degree would like to get into this line of work and the required prerequisites that they must have. So let's talk about each one of those. If, uh, If a kid's going to go to college at Harding, he wants to pursue something like this. Uh, what does he need to, to tell people up front when he's enrolling? Um, okay, you, you actually have two tracks uh, that can earn the MSSC. The traditional track is for any person who has an undergraduate degree already. Um, they, we do have a couple of prerequisite courses that are necessary to be able to sit and and, uh, again, that's all spelled out on the website as well. But the traditional route, the individual that has a bachelor's degree would begin, and for the first year we'll go through classwork and an introduction to the strength and conditioning setting. And in their entire second year, their last two semesters, they are doing an internship and a practicum under an approved mentor. Now, if you're a high school individual and you're about to enter into college, We have what's called the Accelerated Dual Degree, which allows individuals to complete the MSSC in under five years. The first three years will be undergraduate preparatory work and prerequisite courses. The fourth year of the program is actually the first year of the master's program. At the end of the fourth year, the individual will actually receive a BSSC, a Bachelor's of Science. And strength and conditioning. And then upon completion of their internship and their practicum, uh, they will have earned the MSSC, Master's of Strength and Conditioning. Okay, so the traditional student, the guy who or gal that already has a degree, and it doesn't matter in what field they have that degree, they're going to have to take uh, a couple of prerequisites that uh, is going to give you some you know, necessary groundwork, and then uh, you're looking at uh, two additional years of of learning, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know when you got to go out in the field. Sounds to me like uh, you know it's being like a doctor, and uh, you go to a hospital and you work for a period of time to prove that you know uh, what you're doing. Is that what we're saying here uh, as far as this particular program? Um, for this particular program, that 640 hours. Under a strength coach will uh, qualify you to be able to start a position as a strength coach. Now, it's true that many individuals, when they have graduated, will spend a year or two working as an hourly paid um, individual, or they will find a position as an assistant before they ever get their head 
strength coach position. Um, but even here in Arkansas, there has been a move toward hiring full-time strength and conditioning individuals. Um, a couple of schools here in state have done that recently, and these are individuals that are working with athletes in strength and conditioning, not, not coaching them in the sport, but preparing them for their sport. Yeah, let's make sure everybody understands that what you are doing is teaching people how to teach athletes uh, to, uh, you know, increase their strength, increase their conditioning, thus making themselves better athletes, but also how to protect themselves as an athlete, because only if you can perform at the highest level uh, can you, you know, hope to move up. Uh, you know, in athletics. I mean, nothing is guaranteed, but uh, you're going to be better off if you go through a program like this with somebody who's certified with the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the College Strength and Conditioning uh, coaches so they can, uh, you know, get your body ready for the, the rigors of, uh, you know, college and then hopefully for some of these guys and gals pro sports. You, you, you're right, Dave. I, I appreciate that you brought that up. It's not just about performance. It's also about preparing yourself um, through strength and conditioning to uh, not only perform well, but it decreases the possibility of injuries. Many of the injuries that we see in the field are due to inappropriate training many times, not just the lack of, but actually inappropriate training. You know what's incredible, uh, uh, Doctor, is – where we've come to in in sports now let's just look at the the nfl for a second and take a look at the washington team and uh, last year uh, their quarterback destroyed his leg i mean he was tackled and i think it broke it in like four places and nobody thought he'd ever play again now, with orthopedic surgery and then turn around with these uh, strength training and conditioning uh, coaches, he's back starting for Washington this year. It is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an amazing yeah. story. Yes, it is. And uh, in baseball, uh, I know all about popping ligaments and stuff. That ended my baseball career. Uh, Dr. Gillum re- repaired my uh, my shoulder about 10 years ago he found the ligament reattached it and uh, after i was healed i went out and was able to to throw at 93 miles per hour again uh, and i hadn't th- i hadn't thrown a baseball in in almost 30 years it's just incredible what they do and you look at tommy john surgery the the length of time that a, a, an athlete can play in sports and blow out knees and all the rest and have them repaired is really a miracle. It, it is. And, and again, you've hit on a really important point. The appropriate application of load and progression will lessen the possibility because of the progression and strengthening, uh, lessen the possibility of those injuries occurring. It, it's not going to say that you won't be injured, but it will definitely lessen the possibility of that as you're increasing your ability to perform you're also um, preparing yourself for um, a greater possibility of performance and less injury all right gentlemen we're out of time this is fantastic i i'm really and i i tell everybody who comes on the show from harding 
I'm really amazed at what Harding is doing in graduate work. And uh, I think you guys are going to be known as in central, uh, the central United States as the East Coast comes to central, uh, Central America. Mm-hmm. Michael McGalliard and uh, Dr. Brian Phillips, thank you both for your time. Again, to learn more, go to HardingEDU slash MSSC. MSSC stands for uh, Master uh, Masters of Science and okay. Strength and Conditioning. All right, there you yeah. go. You got all of it. Everybody, make sure if you're going to school and starting or you've already got your degree and this interests you, go to that website. It'll help you out. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It's been very, a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. All right. Talk to you later now. Yeah, Harding University, I'm telling you, really doing fantastic stuff. Uh, let me give you that uh, um, spot to go to again. Harding, E-D-U, slash, M-S-S-C. And remember, when you graduate, uh, graduate, you get two memberships that you'll want to have to be a strength and conditioning coach. All right, French Hills coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. into the second hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday. Remember, uh, tomorrow and Friday uh, that uh, Robert Steinbach will be filling in for me. I'm taking a couple days vacation. I uh, have planned this since the end of July, and uh, Linda and I are flying to Florida, to Orlando, and I've paid the upfront fees to go to Universal Studios with a very controlled group of people that allows me to, and my wife as well, to ride all the rides that we want to ride and eat all the food that we want to eat and drink all the Harry Potter uh, butterbeer that we want to drink while we're at Universal Studios. You want to come along there, Congressman? Man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just sitting here going, what? Dave gets to go have fun with his wife on a trip Isn't somewhere and enjoy America. God, yeah. I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, that that's at well. Luckily, it's not out in California because it had been California. I'd be getting my money back and not going to anything out there. That is, what do you think about these shutdowns that continue across the United States? Uh, a lot of them are just flat out draconian, Congressman. They are, and we see time and time again that good people who follow the CDC standards can operate their business, operate their faith community, operate their school, and do it successfully, uh, even in the midst of this pandemic. But we need everybody's participation, but certainly sitting outside on a patio in beautiful 71 degrees of metro Los Angeles can be done in a safe and sound way. Yeah, did you see that lady who has the restaurant and they told her she couldn't do outdoor dining and right next to her, a movie company set up uh, a feeding area for their cast and it looked exactly 
like her outdoor dining area. Right. I mean, and she was in tears because her livelihood depends on her carefully and safely serving her patrons and Big Co., uh, a big Chinese-owned movie studio probably, was trying to film a movie and having a set. Uh, it's it's this dual standard that frustrates Americans so much, and I'm glad the courts have intervened on these instances, yep. both in California, and we talked about religious freedom, too, where churches uh, and synagogues or mosques are all being held to a higher standard than other secular activities, even next door. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, they say the church can't be open, and uh, four blocks away... Uh, a liquor store can just doesn't make sense to me, Congressman. And uh, and then we heard earlier uh, this week uh, from Senator uh, Sanders that uh, the Democrats held up this whole thing about COVID nineteen relief because they didn't want to give President Trump a victory. That is a sad yeah. statement. I mean, they punished Americans uh, to win an election. Well, you've heard from me since August uh, consistently that Speaker Pelosi and the left in the Senate have put politics over people. Uh, there's so many things we have to do to, right now that could help our small businesses, help our families that are still on unemployment, help our hoteliers, uh, help our governors have flexibility. And that's just simply been blocked because Nancy Pelosi and the left in the Senate, led by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, don't want Donald Trump to have the victory. And, you know, that's it is sad. I hope the American people will continue to press uh, her office between now and two weeks from now. We're still in the midst of where we have a shot, Dave, to get this targeted COVID-19 relief here before Christmas. Every one of us are working on it every single day. People calling Nancy Pelosi's office, you know, in this instance, or uh, is at Chuck Schumer's office in the Senate, very helpful. They need to hear from ordinary Americans who are hurting. Yeah, this doesn't make me, um, you know, upset. This makes me furious that it's going on. I mean, seriously, they're punishing working men and women in this country for political gain. And I'll say uh, Biden, for his part, has said they should do COVID-19 relief now and they should do it before Christmas. So I'll give him that. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the stopgap to keep the government running through December 18th. I mean, this is another example of, uh, you know, the left doing their thing to to expedite their political gains. Right. (laughs) For example, I expect... um, I really expect uh, hardworking Georgians to vote for Republican senators there. And if we do, we'll maintain a 52-seat uh, majority in the Senate. And as you've read, uh, Nancy Pelosi's lead in the House, her control in the House has been cut dramatically, uh, by almost in half. She might have a uh, five-seat majority over that 218-vote need that she has to, to win a, a vote. So... The power for the Democrats, in my view right now, is is now the leverage they have. And it'll be less in the new year, despite having uh, potentially a Joe Biden uh, named as president by the Electoral College. So she's trying to use that to her advantage now. 
But the main thing I want is COVID-19. If they want to uh, not agree on spending uh, until the new year, uh, that's a, I've seen that happen in the six years I've been here where mm-hmm. it goes into the new year. It's not good, not good for our military, not good for uh, running our government. It's, uh, and we can do this. We can pass a, a 2021 spending bill that's bipartisan uh, before Christmas uh, then finish our work like we should, and we can get targeted relief for Americans through COVID-19 relief. Our we guest, can do both. Yes, our guest is Congressman French Hill. He joins us every Wednesday at this time to tell you about what's going on in Washington, D.C. We try to keep you up on that. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, the most uh, critical areas of uh, uh, of work for politicians is on the state and the local level. The closer the government is to you, the more important it is to you, although it's important on the national level as well. I don't want to downplay it. I'm just telling you, your state government and your quorum court and your city councils have more effect on you many times than what... Uh, the uh, the national politics do. Let's take a quick break, Congressman. We'll come back. I want to talk about what's going on in Texas. Big, big uh, news out of Texas in this lawsuit they have. Arkansas has joined up now with them on the, that lawsuit, and we'll talk about it when we continue. Um, you know, when you're looking for somebody to take uh, you know care of you, you, you don't want to look around too far uh, for you know political uh, ends, what you want to do is get a good businessman that you can trust that has complete transparency with you and uh, can get the job done. And right now, that means doing it uh, under the auspices of the the COVID nineteen protocols. When it comes to your roof, there's only one place. When people ask me. Hey, Dave, I'm going to replace my roof. Do you know somebody that I can trust? And I always tell them PI roofing. Just recently, uh, Elizabeth had her roof replaced. Elizabeth, of course, you hear on Tuesdays here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She's a part of the show. And uh, we were talking about it, and she said she was taken about how really good they were. She talked to them at the beginning, did not have to go into an office. They didn't have to come inside her home. COVID-19, you know, the whole distancing and everything went on. And uh, she didn't have to hear from them again until she had gutters done with uh, PI roofing as well. So uh, she didn't hear anything from them until they said, hey, we're going to come put your gutters on today along with your roof. And uh, they really didn't have to to sit down and, and talk very much. They were professional. They got the job done. They got it done right. And uh, she doesn't have to worry in the, in, the, in the future about her roof. In fact, it was so good that her next-door neighbor called PI Roofing after it was over, and they now are using PI Roofing to replace their roof. PI Roofing, uh, get a hold of them, 707-3551. 707-3551 or visit them online piroofing.com all right back with our uh, special guest congressman french hill district two here in arkansas and uh, a big big uh, interesting thing broke out yesterday uh, towards the end of the news day uh, talking about uh, texas and what they've done uh, congressman they have brought 
and brought suit against several states together that have had all kinds of problem problems in this election. And they are asking the Supreme Court now to get involved and to, uh, you know, bring some legality to what I believe is if it isn't done, uh, this will never be the same as far for Americans about voting ever again. And now Arkansas and uh, a lot of other states are joining in with Texas on this, saying, hey, by by invalidating your own elections, you're invalidating the election of the United States in our state. And they're bringing, uh, you know, bringing this against uh, the state of, I believe, uh, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk a little bit about this? How important is this? Well, Attorney General Paxton in Texas is using the uh, legal advantage that states can file suit if they have a cause of action, and that uh, case can be then heard directly in the court. It doesn't have to go up through the normal circuit and appeals process, so they actually can petition the court directly. Uh, That's the... uh, Uh, unusual and important aspect about this. Secondly, as you say, he is suggesting that in Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, uh, I think Wisconsin also, that because state election officials uh, changed rules uh, before the election, gave guidance before the election that were not actually statutes passed by their legislatures, that they've in turn uh, violated uh, equal protection uh, for voters uh, elsewhere in the United States. To your point about uh, then they've <laughs> casted a taint uh, on the election outcome. So uh, it's an interesting case. Uh, I don't know uh, the uh, likelihood of the court taking it up, uh, but it definitely is a petition that the court will be working on today because it's uh, got that standing to go straight to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, Alito has been pretty, uh, you know, open about wanting to get to to wade into this mess. And uh, he's got how many more Supreme Court justices have to say that it has merit and they'll hear it? Is it three Plus Alito, yeah. a, it's three more with Alito. And Alito took the lead because the uh, so much of this centers, honestly, on Pennsylvania. He is the Supreme Court justice over that federal circuit, which is why he was assigned to uh, listen. On this particular case for Paxton's suit, uh, I'm actually uncertain as to who, uh, which of the justices will uh, lead the review of it before the the court as a whole. So do, I, I think that this is the right thing to do, uh, just because there are so many questions. We've seen so many decisions made uh, for this election that ca- I think it just casts a, a blanket over uh, our electoral process here in, in the United States. I mean, in Pennsylvania, they were changing things while the election was going on, I just don't see how the Supreme Court cannot get involved in this. Well, as you say uh, just a few minutes ago about your uh, comment about the importance of local officials, uh, that's why 
uh, our country has diverse and safe and secure elections generally because we don't have one federal mandated approach, one federal mandated computer system. Think about the outcome if we did. Uh-huh. If uh, one giant computer in the sky ran all the federal elections across all 50 states, you think that wouldn't be a, an incredible risk for fraud and abuse. It's frightening to me, actually. And that's what Nancy Pelosi wants, by the way. So here, to your point, local election officials, those local electors are looking at their own reputations, their own law changes, their own policy changes, and they're going to have to live with those consequences. And that's why these sworn affidavits and um, the comments from local elected officials will carry, I think, weight with uh, the court on both sides. So this is going to be a very interesting case. I think we're going to hear a decision uh, soon. I don't think we're going to have to wait a long time at all. Well, they can't wait. I mean, the electors are going to be getting together here in the next week. Right. The 14th. You know, they're ready. They're basically ready to go. And uh, if this is in front of the Supreme Court, it's no go on a whole lot of stuff. And the United States is going to be holding your breath on all of this. And I, you know, this is the point where I wouldn't want to be sitting on the Supreme Court because I got to believe you're going to be damned if you do and damned if you don't. This is true, uh, but there (laughs) is a remedy in the Constitution for this if the electors if the court delays the meeting of the electors or if the electors can't agree, uh, then the election comes to the House of Representatives. And this is we have a a constitution that was wise and was amazing in its detail and anticipation of our 244 year history. So we will have a result in this election. And I'm just uh, proud that we had the incredible voter turnout we had in this election, the incredible connection with voters and elected officials all during the campaign season. And now they get a fantastic lesson in constitutional uh, government to see how our republic functions here as we go through that final step. And uh, I think it's an incredible time to be a high school student. Yeah, (laughs) I I agree with you on that. And I'll be watching it closely because it's going to be a huge decision whichever way it goes. It's big if they don't take it up. It's big if they do take it up. Let's talk about what's going on with you as, as congressman. You know, your your job is to represent the people of the 2nd District of uh, Arkansas, and you've been doing a great job of that. You just helped a constituent here in the 2nd District uh, recover more than $30,000 from the IRS. Share a little bit of that with us. we got two minutes. We have such a uh, wonderful opportunity every week to help uh, working families throughout the district. It's the thing that we really treasure in our office, helping our veterans, helping our families deal with Social Security or Social Security disability. And someplace that we're always working, as you can imagine, is the Internal Revenue Service. We had a constituent contact us that he had a dispute on a refund going back to 2015. Repeat, 2015. And the IRS said, he wasn't due a refund, and meanwhile, they'd accrued penalties and interest to him. We got involved with the taxpayer advocacy work that we do, and we've got it resolved, and he's getting ready to get a uh, check direct deposit in his account for over $30,000 from this long dispute. We're proud to help him, and anytime we can help 
anybody who's listening, please reach out to us at hill.house.gov. We're here to serve uh, all the citizens of, of Central Arkansas. That's what's fantastic about you, Congressman. Uh, I've talked to many people who talk about how you've gone to bat with them when they felt, you know, totally impotent against the federal government. And your office and you yourself have stepped into the fray and things changed 180. Congratulations. We're here for them. It's a proud to be with you. You and Linda have a fantastic trip to Florida. Look forward to hearing about it. I'm going to be drinking some butter beer, I tell you. <laughs> going to be drinking butter beer. Thanks a lot, Congressman. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. All, All the right. best. Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1, the, uh, the answer. That's one of the great things about uh, District 2 and District 4 for our show. We, uh, we reach listeners in both of those districts and both of those congressmen come on and uh, talk about issues that are happening and give you uh, the information you need to know to keep you know clear about what is happening uh, with your elected officials. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Robert Steinbach. He's going to join us and uh, State Senator-elect Dan Sullivan. Uh, will be on the line with us as well, and we're going to start talking about what we can expect for the next general uh, session. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show, but right now, let's uh, join up with Rush and see what he's got for us this morning. So 3000, you know, Cavanaugh Boulevard, that is where you'll find Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Now, I've had Eric on, the uh, jeweler that owns the Hillcrest Designer Jewelry uh, on the show. You learned a lot from him about diamonds and about colored gemstones and about how to go about getting a unique piece of jewelry made at his facility. But you're running out of time if you want to do it for Christmas. I mean, we're not that far away from Christmas now. Today is the ninth. So uh, we're zeroing in on Christmas at at 16 days, and you're not going to be able to buy uh, pick up your piece of jewelry on Christmas Day, so make it 15 days uh, and counting. And so if you want to get something made, you'd better call today. Here's the number to call at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry to get this, this time that you can get a special piece of jewelry made by a real artist and jeweler here in Central Arkansas, and that's Eric Coleman, 501 501- Two four six thirty six fifty five five zero one two four six thirty six fifty five. You get with uh, Eric. Not only will you be amazed at how good he does for you, how creative he is, but you'll also be amazed at how good he is to you on your wallet. Again, that's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Number to call five zero one two four six. 3655 or visit them at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard here in Little Rock. All right, so we've got a brand new uh, time coming up uh, with the General Assembly in January. And uh, they're going to start passing laws again. Uh, I always tell people when you when they start meeting, keep your hand on your wallet all the time. Uh, Senator-elect Dan Sullivan joins me today, as well as uh, Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law 
you uh, over at uh, UALR. And uh, his opinions are his and his alone. Let me start with the senator. Uh, Dan, uh, the uh, Republican Party just got together again over the weekend, and they elected a new chairman. Doyle Webb is stepping down after 10 years. And uh, I think it uh, is Janelle Fuller that's going to be taking over for him now. Yeah, correct, Dave. And thank you for having me on. But uh, Janelle uh, Fulmer is our new chair of our uh, Republican committee for the state of Arkansas. She'll do a great job. We all support her, and we're looking forward to her leadership. All right. So with that with that done, uh, there was a few things that came up during uh, the meeting. One was a group of uh, Republicans uh, in the different uh, uh, county groups that uh, brought up a try of bringing the hate crime legislation that uh, Hendren, Senator Hendren, has crafted along with a few other people. And, you know, I haven't found anybody in the Senate uh, here of Arkansas that seemed to be, you know, wholeheartedly for this piece of legislation, especially if they're a Republican. And uh, it it almost got out on the floor where we could have seen a vote to keep it from being basically by saying from the Republican Party that it shouldn't even be brought forth to the, to, to the, to the floor of the Senate. Uh, what's your take? I mean, it was like you needed 90 percent, you got 85 percent. Why is the governor so bound and determined to, be, to burn up so much political capital on something that seems to not be supported very well by Republicans? Well, you know, um, I just can't speak for the governor. He's, uh, you know, he ought to speak for himself. But clearly, a large percentage of Republicans uh, do not favor uh, that that bill, um, hate crime legislation. You know, the what we had to do since it wasn't on the agenda, we had to have a ninety percent uh, vote in order to put it on the agenda that day. And Dave, it was close to eighty-five or eighty-six percent of Republicans across the state do not favor the hate crime legislation. So it's uh, very clear, as you stated, that it's not popular on the Republican agenda. And I'm just very surprised uh, that we're doing that. But I'm also surprised at several things uh, that the governor's doing. You know, he is taking uh, essential rights and freedoms away. We talk about essential business. We talk about essential uh, things that we need to have in the state. The governor is putting several of our essential rights at risk, and this hate crime legislation is just one of them. Yeah, I agree, because the way it's written, you know, if you support it, you say, well, there's nothing in it that's going to hinder anybody, which I would argue about. But what happens when, uh, and it will happen historically, you get now a, a, a kind of a uh, a much more liberal uh, uh, governor in from the Democratic Party, and they get the control. You know, it gets they get to say what words mean. Then is that not true? Well, I completely agree because we we see the trend that once you open that door and start going down that path, you that's what occurs. But Dave, we've seen this in other states that really hasn't had a, a deterrent on crime. And that will be one of the things I'll be very interested in seeing is those proponents of the bill 
showing us that this really deters crime. Because at this point, I just don't see the evidence that that occurs. Yeah, I, I, there was a, an elected official, I won't say who it was, uh, but they made a statement to someone that I trust that they thought that, uh, you know, 49 other states or 48 other states had passed this legislation. And if we didn't pass it, there were businesses that wouldn't locate in, uh, in Arkansas. Is that something we should be concerned about? Well, it's probably true, but, you know, I, I'm not going to trade uh, commerce for our integrity and what's right to do. And I don't think this is the right thing to do. And when we as individuals are, as a state, start compromising our position on what we believe is the right thing to do, then we lose anyway. So, again, I think this is one of those critical issues that I do, I'm do. i not ready to compromise on. If you had to you know, lay odds. Would you say that the hate crimes legislation has a snow, you know, has better than a snowball's chance in hell of passing? Well, I would, except we see a lot going on right now in our in our state of our our fundamental rights being taken away. Uh, we see a lot of things happening that I don't think the people of the state favor. Uh, just like the governor suspending the legislature. Who would have thought the governor could suspend the legislature from participating in in, uh, eliminating people's rights over the course of nine months? You know, I would have never predicted that would ever happen, but it has, and it's here. So I anticipate a strong fight. I anticipate there'll be a big push uh, that, you know, a lot of people will um, may surprise me and maybe you on how they vote on this when it really comes down to pushing that button. But we'll see. Okay. So last uh, last question around this and about the governor over uh, stepping his bounds of power, which I think that he has done. He doesn't think so. I have to say I think he has, and a lot of other people agree with me and agree with you that he's overstepped his bounds. Uh, just the other day, in fact, yesterday, the governor supposedly had a public, uh, you know, meeting that people could come to and hear what he had to say about the COVID-19. And about 10 minutes into it, he dismissed the media, told them they had to leave the room. And people who had draw, many had driven many miles to be at that meeting were told that they weren't going to be allowed to be in that reflects badly on the governor's office, I believe. Yeah, Dave, and what it says, I'm looking at that announcement right now. It says the governor will hold community meetings across Arkansas to focus attention, and here's the key part, develop local action plans to fight the current surge. You know, the governor suspended local government and local officials from uh, developing a plan. So, you know, what my takeaway from this is, is that the governor is trying to regain some local support um, for his initiatives. But, you know, when he talks about developing a local action plan, there is no action plan that can be developed that he disagrees with. So if you have a local business that wants to, uh, for example, let their restaurant stay open to 12 or 1115 instead of 11 o'clock, that plan doesn't fly. 
Um, and the governor has suspended your local city council, your local state representatives, your, your, your state senators. He has suspended us from participating in that dialogue. And now he's going to come around to uh, cities and communities in the state and try to work with us to develop a plan. You know, it's really um, disingenuous to try to get people to develop a plan after you suspended their uh, duly elected authority to participate. Yeah, no, Very discouraging. no doubt. All right, Robert Steinbach will join us when we come back. I want to talk about uh, freedom of information. I want to talk about red flag laws. We've got Senate-elect uh, Senator uh, Dan Sullivan from up in Jonesboro with us this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show. Senator Alan Clark posted on his Facebook yesterday, I am announcing a number of community meetings over the next few days. I'm having these meetings so that I can say that I garnered uh, input from the community before I made my decisions, which I will be announcing shortly. You are not invited, so there is no need to share the locations or times. It would not it would not be fair to assume that I had already made those decisions before I had the community meetings and just had the community meetings for the optics. That is all. <laughs> Hi Robert, how are you? That was pretty good from Alan Clark. It was fantastic. Uh, Dave, we see this all the time in fact in academia. Because as you may know, you certainly have heard me say in the past that universities are supposed to be run through a process called faculty governance. But then you say, but you have deans and chancellors and presidents, et cetera, and we do. And the idea is that we actually share power, that neither party can implement an outcome without the other party. That doesn't actually exist in many circumstances because the administrators uh, set up a regime in which the input from the faculty, the, I put in quotes, you can't see, air quotes, the input from the faculty is the same type of air-quoted input that the governor seeks here from the, from the populace, which is, uh, we'll, uh, you can send us an email to a dead-letter mailbox, you can come to a meeting that you're not allowed into, uh, but the one thing you can't have is any actual exercise of power. Uh, and now, historically, and to this day, in fact, the exercise of power for the populace is, the, quote, vote the bums out, meaning I'm not referring to anybody as a bum, but that's an actual phrase. Yes. In other words, vote the elected officials out if you don't like what they're doing. The problem is, what do you do with an elected official, as we have in this circumstance, who is not up for reelection? Now, he may be running for future office, or at least eyeing it, and this has implications, therefore. But when the guy is in, uh, in a lame duck, uh, there's no ability to vote him out. And this really is an exercise of brute power, not an exercise of democratic process. And, uh, that those are well, well uh, stated facts of, of the matter here, uh, Robert. And I'm sure that the state senator, Dan Sullivan, would agree with that. By the way, Dan, I got a uh, an email and it says, where can we get the document resolution on the hate crimes uh, uh, legislation for each county committee to try and pass. Well, that's a, yeah, I was going to bring that up, and I appreciate you doing that. Uh, Representative Robin Lundstrom has the resolution. One of I'll my favorite people. I can people. contact her today and have her post that to your website or send that to you. 
because we need every county committee doing that. And Dave, let me just make one real quick comment on on what Robert just said. When the governor says we're going to meet, I hope we can get some uh, legislators and mayors to come to that meeting and propose uh, certain businesses of their in their community that are essential and see if the governor will bend on his essential business proclamation. For example, the 11 o'clock shutdown of restaurants. Maybe we'll have some some mayors and city councils attend that meeting and say, Governor, it's essential that our businesses stay open until midnight and see if the governor's willing to bend, because that would be their local plan. And I hope we have some people with the courage to do, do that. I'll be at, I think I'm invited. I haven't received a formal invitation, but I think I'm invited to the meeting in Jonesboro tomorrow, and I'll make that recommendation and ask the governor if we as local officials have any authority to designate businesses as essential and stay open. I have a word that yesterday when the governor was asked, you know, with a public meeting, what gives him the power to tell the press to leave uh, that he replied to the individual because I'm the governor. When you hear that, that should make everybody go, what? Well, you know, Dave, the, the attorney for the Department of Health said in a public meeting when Senator Ballinger asked, what are the bounds of power for the executive branch? And the attorney said there are no bounds to the governor's power. Wow. So when he says uh, press has to leave, that is right in line with what the attorney said. He can do what he wants. And again, this is what the lawsuit that you are a part of is fighting about, that the governor does not have unbounded power for unlimited time. Hmm. All right. Talk about FO, uh, the, the Freedom of Information Act. And Robert, jump in here as well. We got four minutes, guys. Uh, well, Senator, let me let what, Robert take off. Okay. Yeah, Robert, go ahead. Well, let me make a point, Dave, that relates to the intersection of the Freedom of Information Act and what we have just been discussing to show you just how we need to be concerned about excessive uh, executive authority. And by authority, I don't mean that they have the authority, excessive uh, executive exercise of authority. In the law school uh, in 2016, or actually I think 2015 uh, or so, the then dean, he's no longer a dean here, uh, he's no longer here. Uh, uh, we had a, a faculty meeting, and our faculty meetings are open to the public for two reasons. One, pursuant to the Freedom of Information Act, and two, pursuant to the internal constitution of the law school. And so a member of the press uh, from Dan Greenberg's Arkansas Project came to the faculty meeting and then reported on the events in which the dean made statements about implementing uh, racial admissions uh, processes and was interviewed thereafter. In other words, the dean voluntarily gave an interview, and in that interview, the then dean, he, he said, uh, well, I think our actions are constitutional. They go right up to the line. Nobody wants to go right up to the line, and ne needless to say, when the article came out, <clears throat> he was uh, most assuredly embarrassed, or at least he seemed to be embarrassed. I can't get inside his head, and I would be embarrassed had I made such comments. 
Thereafter, he suggested that we change our policy to close what are open meetings uh, pursuant to our Constitution. Of course, he couldn't change the FOIA, so it was kind of a meaningless effort in any event. Uh, And then that was rejected by the committee charged with that question. And then fast forward at some point, a year or two, like I said, I don't remember the exact timing, uh, he offered uh, students literally counseling when President Trump was elected. Uh, I've never seen such a thing in the history of education prior there, too. He certainly wasn't the only when President Trump uh, got elected. And within a week or two, he had uh, resigned uh, from that position and shortly thereafter left the school in its entirety. Uh, But this is, I I point this all out to say, this is what happens when executives start to overreach. They seek to shut down transparency, uh, and then finally they get uh, bitten for it, uh, as was the case with him. All right. Robert, you'll be taking over for me on Thursday and Friday. Have two good shows. And uh, Senator uh, Dan Sullivan, thank you for your time today on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll have you back on next week. That's it for the Dave Ellswick Show here in the 7 o'clock hour. Be back with more here in just uh, uh, 6 o'clock. And we're going to talk cars with Duck. He's going to be in. Duck is here. Joe is not. Let me tell you why uh, Joe is not here. Albert Ecky Ellis Harrison, 63, of North Little Rock, passed away December 4th, born in Chicago on March 4th, 1957. Ecky owned and operated Frank Harrison and Sons Incorporated. He was a pillar of his community who never met a stranger, cared about everyone. He had long arms and reached out to all who knew him he was a known legend who lived leaves behind a great legacy in the towing racing and emergency services community uh Eke was preceded in death by his parents frank harrison and marilyn sue mccall and three siblings he survived by his wife vicky harrison sons uh Eke harrison lindsey gubanski and uh, Ricky A. Wrinkle, uh, daughters Sarah Harrison, Amber Dollarhide, uh, Jamie Baldridge, and Tabitha Harrison, 12 great or just 12 grandchildren Haley, uh, Weston, Dylan, December, Braden, CJ, Kendall, Tyler, Jackson, and Charlotte, Alden, and uh, Kayla. Sister Frankie Sissy Harrison, nephews and niece Billy, Patrick, Veronica, and extended family and friends. He was from the Chicagoland area, same area that I'm from originally. He's got 
12 grand uh, grandchildren i have 12 grandchildren <laughs> i never his his uh, uh towing company came to my rescue several times they, they was good people they were good people i've worked on some of their vehicles for them yeah they're really good well he passed away on december 4th and uh we wanted to make sure that everybody uh, knew about that uh funeral services are well were earlier today yeah. And uh, at Frank Harrison and Son, uh, Incorporated, located 9900 Pickard Road, North Little Rock. Burial was at Pinecrest Memorial Park. And uh, just wanted to bring that up because when somebody great in the community, and you know what? You don't have to be president. You don't have to be a congressman. You don't have to be a senator no. to, to have an effect on your community and he proved it. To have the effect on the people, too, Dave. Yeah. He knew a bunch of people. He's kind of like me and Joe. You know, we know people, and he, he was in our business. So, you know, he, he it's just like, you know, all of us, you know, everybody knows us. Yeah, you I know, just, my wife scolds me because we'll be somewhere way off, and somebody will scream duck out. And uh-huh. she'll ask me, she says, can we go anywhere if nobody don't know you? Not very often. That's good. We was in Key West, Florida, and a guy hollered at me. <laughs> That's good. We was eating That's supper really... in the restaurant, and she My... asked me, she said, surely nobody knows you here. And I said, no. That's funny, because your <laughs> wife reacted the way my wife reacts, because we'll be out to dinner or whatever, and may, people may not have ever seen me, but, but they, they know hear my voice. voice. Yeah. And uh, they'll come up and, and they'll say, are you Dave Helswick? <laughs> and I go, yeah, I am. And they go, well, my name's blah, 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 blah. And, you know, would you sign this for me? And of oh, course, yeah. I always sign whatever's put in front of me that somebody might want. And, and Linda will, and I'll introduce her. And, and Linda says, you know, I'm getting tired of be, being the <laughs> wife of Dave Helswick. <laughs> it's a little late to change now, man. Yeah, it's been 30 late. years now. But that's why she, you know, she'll say, well, surely we was in Cody, Wyoming. Uh, actually, we was out at Old, Old Faithful. And, wow. And she said, surely nobody knows you here. And I said, nah, we're probably far enough away from Arkansas. I didn't see nobody I knew. I did see a guy that owned land right beside me at Hardy. <laughs> I didn't know him, but, you know, we got that's talking. That's funny. And they own, they own like 10 or 12 acres, all within 200 yards of me. So It is a small world. You find that it out. Is. You really do. You find that out. All right. Well, let's get our first car question here. And remember, if you have a car question, send it to me, to Dave at SalemLR.com. And then I'll read it on uh, the Wednesday uh, afternoon show here on 1011 FM, The Answer. A 2013 GMC Yukon Denali, eight-cylinder, 6.2-liter engine. Why are my systems going crazy? That is the uh, first question. I have a 2013 GMC Yukon Denali. I've been having the following issue for the past three days. One, service trailer brake system, service blindside mirrors, service traction control stabilize goes on and off. A P0700, a P2544, a P0073 error code comes up. Three, random issues with acceleration when the codes are showing up. Four, 
when these issues arise, there is a ticking noise down near the brake pedal where the wiring is located. I can't find where the ticking is coming from. I turn the engine off and reset with an OBD, and the issue will sometimes go away. It will then randomly come back. Do you have any ideas? Yes. Okay. Turn it over to you. Okay. All right, let's start up here at the top. You know, he's had these issues for the past three days. Yes. Most likely, Dave, he's pulled a trailer. Okay. And most likely, he had a short in the trailer. Well, the service brake system comes up on the dash on that thing, and the blind side mirror and the service traction control. He has probably blowed a fuse going to the ABS module. All right. And that's why it's turning all this on, because it all works off the same system. All works off the body control module. And the only way he's going to cure this problem is take it to one of us and let us find it. It'll probably take a couple hours to fix it. Finding the short. Yes. Okay. By the, the first giveaway, it says the the service trailer brake system comes on and the, the service traction control. All that's all tied in together. The stability is all tied in together. And that's where his problem is. He's probably got a blowed fuse. And on that 2013, it could be underneath the dash. But most likely, it's going to be underneath the hood. And it's going to say a brake light fuse or a tail light fuse. But that's where his problem is. You're going to have to scan it and make sure what all. you got to scan it and look, see which one of these codes come up first. Clear them. Go drive it. See which one comes up. And then that's where your problem will be. All right. And most likely it's going to be a blowed fuse. And notice we just said you have to scan it first. Yes. Sorry, but that's the way the business goes and now. don't go to somewhere and let them scan it and clear it. Yep. Because then that makes our life 100% harder because we've got to go mess with it and drive it until, until we make it, it does, does the again. same thing. We chased a 6.6 Duramax pickup. The guy bring it to me. We kept it three weeks, starting it every day, driving it every day. Tim drove it back and forth home, never messed up. Guy come picked it up, got to Walmart, turned it off, wouldn't start. Gosh. He called, Russell said, don't touch it. Don't even sit in the seat. Goes up there <laughs> and finally figure out it's got a number two injector sticking wide open, drained all the fuel out of it. Holy cow. Went up there and hand primed it, started it, brought it back to shop, put a number two injector in it. But we'd had it for three weeks. So now my question is, how good were his... Uh you know, uh, the burning of the extra fuel that it did it they, not claim bang rattle. Oh, really? Didn't hurt it, but you know, it ain't good for it. But it don't hurt. You know, it don't hurt them if you catch them pretty quick. But but we, you know, he'd come pick it up and go home and get home the next morning wouldn't start. You know, mess with it, mess with it, finally get it started and it roll black smoke out. But finally, we caught it doing it, and Tim put a number two injector in it and no more problem. Lucky he, the magic smoke didn't come out. Yes. I got one up there that the magic smoke is out of. Uh-oh. Yeah. About $20,000 worth. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's ugly. Yep. Okay, that's ugly. That's a bill that I wouldn't want to hear. Speaking about bills, I I uh, went over to Duck's garage yesterday, and I, I uh, talked to Russell. I talked to Duck for a moment, but he was... He was in between doing things. He was, I was on his way out. stuff for Russell. Yeah, he was he was out of the area, uh, but and then I talked to Blake, and I I got my my light put in 
my car. My, so how much brighter is it out there in oh the dark? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> now I, I feel very, very comfortable getting and, out and driving in, in the pitch black now. And the good thing about that, Dave, it don't burn but about a half an amp. It burns very little electricity, these LED bulbs. And it burns bright. I don't, I don't know, know how, how, how many make lumens them that, bright. that was, but it was bright, bright, bright. It's a 22-inch bar that they put on my bottom bumper, and it really And it's one of the smaller well. ones. Yes, it's a smaller one. It ain't that's the double all one. I, that's all I needed. Oh, yeah. That's all I needed. And no. uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting, because I, I did a little experiment this morning, I left it on as other cars were coming near, towards me, and they didn't flash me. Probably it turned part, down a little bit. It's, it's pointing yeah. down at the road. Yeah. Which is great because then I can use it and really – you talk about being able to see across the road, away from the road, and down the road. I can all, – all three of those things I can I can see well. It's amazing what they can get out of the little square above in there. It is amazing. And the above is yellow, but it yeah. puts out bright white light. Oh, it's, it's really fantastic. So if you're looking uh, to get that for your car – uh, let me just highly recommend you give a call over to Duck's Garage because Russell and Blake and you said Fred, right? Yeah, Fred's one did it the year. Yeah, he put it in and ran the wiring. It's all hooked up to my my <laughs> switch for my, my fog lights. I have mm-hmm. the fog lights now, and they come on. Yeah, they come on with it, yep. And I'll, that's why the easiest way to do it is that way. Um, I have some people want me to put it on their low beams. Then I have some people come in and they want them on the high beams. Only they don't come on when the high beams come on, mm-hmm. which is fine. But you have to be make sure you buy one that don't pull too many amps. Like the one he put on yours don't pull but a half amp. Right. So you won't burn nothing up, you know. Now, if you get them as six foot wide and that they make and three rows, of, you know, those burn about eight amps. Wow. And you got the. That's a lot of power just so people know. Oh, yeah. I'm much special on the LED. LED don't don't draw don't, much of it. It don't draw hard or anything. So you know, but when you start pulling eight amps, it's because you've got it well loaded. All right, and and remember, <coughs> if you're putting it on your car to use just when you're driving, it cannot be on top of your car. That's against the law. No, you know you can't be blasting people right into their eyes because even though you see them on these pickups all the time oh yeah they're 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 bright they're really bright but it was well worth uh the deal and it was it was just a tad over uh the uh uh situation of uh a hundred dollars and you know for the equipment the labor everything great job from duck's garage okay we need to get a break in so let's okay. do that. Before I do that, let me say to you, are, do you want to retire in the next five years? Uh, if you overlook or underestimate one little thing, could be bad news. Just saying. It could be bad news. It could totally derail your whole retirement. You don't want that to happen. Learn how you could avoid this in a free guide, the Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist from David Lucas Financial in Little Rock. Uh, a comprehensive 31-point checklist could be the single most important tool that could help ensure you're covered on all your bases and you don't make any mistakes. To get your free retirement planning checklist, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. 
That's 501-222-3315. The free checklist is the results of uh, decades of financial planning experience from working with thousands of families. To get your free secured retirement planning checklist, again, call 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back as we continue here on the 6 o'clock hour edition of uh, the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Duck is here today. And Duck, I've got Lawrence has sent us a question. He says he's got a 2008 Dodge Ram 1500, 8-cylinder, 5.7-liter uh, engine in it. Says I changed the throttle control valve and I can't get the truck to start now. It keeps cranking over as I I let off let of the key. It says I can't get the TZV to relearn and now the motor keeps cranking over when I get off the key. Didn't do that before. I had the TCV go out. I am now getting a P0562 code but I have another pickup hooked to the battery, so there should be plenty of voltage. That is the only code that I get. Before the red lightning bolt and two lines came on the dash and the truck just quit, it was running fine. I don't know what I am doing wrong. Thank you. P.S. It's a 5.7 Hemi, not the 7.4. Well, Dave... Um, he put a throttle control valve on it. Yeah. In order to do that, it has to be programmed when you put it on it before you do anything else. He's going to have to take it to me or Joe or Ryan or Gary Henry, one of the service side, you know, service side centers. Right. To work to get it done. He can't do it unless he's got the proper equipment to do it with. You had to go to Dodge. You had to buy a $50 program fee. It's good for that truck. You know, if you heard me and Joe talk about this yeah. way they're doing this now, it's good for that truck. For like one day. Yep. It's, uh, well, it's like 48 hours. Okay. But you only can program anything on that truck, no other trucks. So he's going to have to take it to one of us. They're going to have to get it programmed. Then that will cure all his problems. But he can't do it because he don't have a pass-through box and he don't have the programming capabilities. Um that stuff's about $20,000 to have that. So, Lawrence, call me or call Joe or call someone with a bumper, bumper certified centers. We can all take care of you. Call Ryan. It's been on where you're located at. Pull it up on the Internet, and they'll tell you who you're closest to. And just take it to one of us, and we'll take care of you. Right. But it's got to come to a shop. Yeah, don't, don't, don't screw it up. I'm just telling you, don't screw it up and, and think that you can do it. It's interesting now that people are sending us – questions and they're naming the codes that they're getting well you can buy a code reader for seventy five hundred dollars okay but it won't tell you nothing else all it does tell you the codes you can buy one that give you a little bit of information for about three hundred dollars and a lot of people have got them nowadays but uh it's basically all it tells you is a number it sounds like to me that it's a little information for a pretty good size price it is uh you know it's got to go somewhere where we can get programmed. All right. To so cure keep, all those problems. Keep that in mind. And the place to go is to a bumper-to-bumper certified service center uh, out there in the uh, central Arkansas area. And speaking of bumper-to-bumper, 
Uh, let's talk about what makes you all so unique uh, in in the working relationship you have with people who bring their cars in. Well, you know, Dave, we've been with Mumper and Mumper for a while now. Uh, yeah, three years. You know, you got Fletcher and all them people uh, that's, uh, you know, they're all just good people. They take good care of us. They have the parts we need when we need them. We don't have to wait most time. 99% of the time, we don't have to wait overnight to get them somewhere else. Occasionally, if it's oddball, you know, we will, but uh, they're just super nice people. You got Jerry Rocha, you know, you got Ken, you got uh, Crow, all of them people. You got Mr. Fletcher, you know, he's been on here with the radios with us. Yeah. Um, about starting it with a horse and buggy and all that stuff, you know, with his father and stuff. So they're just super nice. It is a family-owned business right here in, this, in the Little Rock area. Um, you just can't beat them, Dave. Yeah, they do they, a great. Not they only, help us. Not only do they do a good job at bumper to bumper, but to be a bumper to bumper certified service center, you have to adhere to a code of ethics. And mine's hanging on the wall, and so is Joe's, and so is everyone else. And uh, they all work the same way. Yes, sir. And we all help one another. There's a bunch of us shops. We talk back and forth when somebody's got a problem. To uh, save you from having to beat your head against a concrete wall trying to figure something out, you know, you know, Joe will call me from Mike. Mike will call me, hey, I've got something on a 6'6 Duramax. I'll carry him back there and hear Tim talk to Mike, you know, and they'll talk a few minutes and Tim, you know, get him lined back out. And we've called over and talked to Mike about stuff, you know, we've stumbled up on. And, you know, usually he'll help us. And sometimes he'll, um, I ain't never stumbled up on that. So. You know, we're in a group together. We're in a group to help one another. We're not in this group to hurt one another. We're in the group to help each and one of our shops out. Because if everybody can do the best job possible, because all of you put your heads together, yes, it, it's, it just makes sense. People are going to keep coming back to you. Yeah, you know, and as you pulled on my yard yesterday, yeah, I mean, I need a truck mechanic in the worst way. I've got probably 40 right now to work on. I got you. I mean, I you. I, I let me tell a, you, I'm a, I drove up yesterday finding a parking place was not easy. And I got all, I wasn't parked in back of somebody. I got all the parking spots down back took up. I got them on the end. The other in the building, you can't even get in the yard. All right. Let's get to the news, and then we'll be back with more with Duck from Duck's Garage here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get back and uh, talk with Duck some more, some more of your questions here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Remember, if you have a personal question and you want to get it to Duck or to Joe and uh, have them answer it on Wednesday afternoon, send it to Dave at uh, SalemLR.com. All right, who did you want to deal with Let's do this 2004 Maggie. Okay, I'm looking here where we're at. It's on the next page at the bottom. At the bottom. Is it 2004 2007? Yeah, 2007, excuse me. Okay, the 2007 Ford Edge SEL six-cylinder, three-and-a-half-liter engine. It says the car won't start sometimes. Just going to, right off the bat, intermittent problems are difficult sometimes. Uh, sometimes it starts, sometimes it don't. Sometimes it needs to sit for a few. Uh, sometimes I need to punch the steering wheel. <laughs> Uh, the lights will come on, the dashboard for oil and whatnot. 
you will say check brake system, tire pressure monitor, fault seat, belt light will come on and dinging even though you have your seatbelt on the air, uh, a seatbelt on. The air, this is a run on sentence. Uh, the air will be hot, then cold, then hot. It doesn't crank when you're trying to start it, but the lights work, the radio works, the batteries uh, new. <laughs> The brakes are new. The tires are new. It does have a Viper remote start. There's her answer. Okay. It's it's lost his mind. The Viper remote, the Viper remote system. Yeah. It's bad. So you're going to have to get someone to take it off. Uh-oh. The first words told the story. Sometimes it starts and sometimes it does not. Right. The key. Oh, okay. And that's got its own special key to start it with. It's a remote key. It's bad. You can go in there and unplug it from the box, put the key in, and it'll probably start right up every time. Huh. But she she answered her own questions at the very bottom there. Okay. So, you know, it, it, I think what is a Viper key about? It's it's just a remote start. You can start inside your house. Just like yours to start from your inside your house. Yeah, but mine was put on by the factory. By the factory. This is a I think Best Buy sells these. Uh oh. I think it's who sells these and puts them on, but uh it has problem with it, Maggie. Either get it started and go back to whoever put the system on it because it didn't come from the factory. You know, it could have been a GM or it could have been a Ford installed. But I doubt it very seriously because usually Ford just goes in there and turns all that on because you can go inside the computer and turn it all on by the remote kit, plug it into there, and then you just go into the computer and turn it all on. But this Viper system, they've had known to have problems out of them. All right. And they do just exactly what she says it's doing. Sometimes it starts, sometimes it don't. It's the problem with going out and adding new systems to an existing system it may not play nice with each other and and dave she could have went to ford and bought the ford stuff and put it and had it put in there and turned all that on it's all in the computer you just have to go in and turn it on my little brother got a uh 12 f-250 he works out of he wanted fog lights i said buy these two fog lights from ford they've about a hundred dollars for you know for and then buy the relay from ford Snap it in it, then he come to the shop and I turned it. Russell turned it on for him. Actually, we did it up at Hardy. We was up there and Russell took his computer up there and turned it all on. Everything talks to everything else. Exactly. Now. And if that Viper key does not talk to the Ford system, it is not going to let it start. You're not going to get it to go. No. All right. Keep that in mind. Keys play a very integral part. It, it's not there just to turn it on uh this stuff nowadays dave make you pull your hair out yeah it, it does all kinds of as stuff you know with your car you've been you know you and joe been fighting and trying to get yours where you can remote start yours yeah and it ain't nothing like a remote start when it's a big frost on the ground yeah bump the key you know then hold the button down i start mine every morning standing in the kitchen yeah that's i i'm i get the coffee going and then i start my car because it it only runs for a few minutes, but it's enough to get the the uh, the water in the engine warm. Uh, and and also it gets enough where the defroster, like mine, it senses the temperature, 
if it's below 65 degrees it turns the defroster on oh really yeah if it's above 65 degrees it turns air conditioner on doesn't do that mine yeah mine's a little newer than yours though that's true yeah by 10 years or so yeah <laughs> almost 11 way it goes all right let's do this 93 nissan i think this is an interesting yeah. question uh 240 sx four cylinder 2.4 liter because i don't know about everybody else but i drive my car until the wheels fall off i've got a 2010 so this guy uh is doing a great <coughs> job he's had it longer this car longer that's a than 93 model yeah brake lights stay turned on all the time without the ignition key present uh you've you got to when i tap on the brake pedal brake lights remain lit up no turning on or off also third middle brake light one bulb is not working but when pulled when pulled it out of house housing to replace bulb it started working when put it back inside the housing it is not working again i don't know if middle brake light bulb stopped working is related to main brake lights remaining on or it's a separate issue is it possible the brake pedal switch that controls the brake lights is stuck in an on position yes yeah you you answered your own question yeah and the third brake light bulb it's got a bad connection uh what he needs to do is reach in there with a actually i got a fingernail file one of them old metal ones that's real narrow. Yeah. And you just reach in there and sand the end of it. It's got a bad connection on that. They don't have nothing to do with it. But the brake light switch is what they call a Merkley switch. It's got a lever that pushes up in it. Then when you push the brake pedal, let it come back out. Spring-loaded Merkley switch, they call it. It don't have no mercury in it, but that's what they call it. But it, it's stuck up. It's probably been sitting for a while, and it's just stuck. You probably can reach in there and, and wiggle it, and it'll pop out. It's fairly easy to replace probably 30 minutes at the most probably 120 30 dollars but it needs a brake light switch one one of the things that happens is something will occur and it might not even be a mechanical problem i'll explain took my car to joe night before last monday night i had pulled up on 89 on highway 5 the light had changed so that we could go and I pulled up behind the car in front of me, and all of a sudden, my car started revving up, tried to go <laughs> go go forward at a you know, and I I put the brake on, and then it went down, and I put the the you know, put it in park. I turned I turned the ignition off. Car ain't going anywhere if the ignition's not uh, not on. So I did that, restarted, and no problem whatsoever. Freaked me out. Totally freaked me out, to be honest. Scared my wife to death. So I got a hold of Joe. I said, can I bring it in in the morning after I get off the air here on the radio? And he said, yes. So I headed right over to see him after my show. And uh, lo and behold, he switched the mats in the car. Stopped and, the problem, didn't it? Yeah. And what happened is the mat would get up on the accelerator and push down on it. Yeah. And he changed that, fixed it, no problem. You'd be surprised how many do that. Really wild, because he, he showed me the mat, and it's now on the on the passenger side, and you can see where it's been riding up, up on, on the top pedal, of it. And it, it's 
formed that way, yeah. and so it's always going to do that. And they ran complete tests to make sure nothing happened. Yeah. Joe said to me, Dave, I'm going to tell you before we do this, that for that, uh, that car to accelerate on its own just doesn't happen anymore. No. And they went and ran the, the thing, and Mike was talking to me, and he says, it takes three milliseconds for the car to know that, you know, it's it's accelerating and shouldn't be. And I said, well, Mike, I got to tell you, I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. <laughs> but they got it fixed. It wasn't anything serious. And, and that's the thing that stops people sometimes, Doc. You know this. People don't come in because they're afraid what they're going to get told about what might be wrong with their car. It's like does a, a guy doesn't has a little chest pain, doesn't yeah. go in and see the doctor because he's afraid he's got heart disease and he's going to have a future heart attack. Yep. Well, I'm just going to tell you this. Better to go see the doc than not to see the doc. Better to see the mechanic than not to see uh, the mechanic. And there again, Dave, you know, like me and Joe's talk, hey, let us check it. And if it's two or three things, we can tell you what needs to be repaired today and what we can put off for a month or two or three or four. You know, Or if it's just the the, the mat. <laughs> yeah. Could be just, simple be something is yours, you know. I mean, come uh, on. You, you never know nowadays. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something. Uh, I finally got relief from my knee doctor. I finally got the brace off. He finally told me I can start walking again. It's been... 13 months since i had knee replacement yeah and knee tore up well every day at two o'clock behind the shop is a walking track i walked a mile and 4.9 tenths yesterday in 23 minutes and here's the key when he did it the first time it wasn't pleasant no now doesn't bother him hardly at all now i, I could matter of fact Tracy told me yesterday i need to slow down she hey, said I was, I was walking cool. too fast, but I've always walked fast. But, Let me tell uh, you what, it's good when the woman's telling you to slow down because they want to catch you. Yeah, and <laughs> but, uh, you know, I started out, I made it about a quarter of a mile the first day, and that was four weeks ago. Tomorrow I started. Good. And, you know, I'm, I'm, Keep trying, it up. I'm trying to get myself back up to, because before I had knee replacement, I was walking five miles a day. I, you know, every day I walk five miles. Yeah. Yesterday, I looked at my phone, and I walked uh, right at 6,000 steps. Fantastic. That's a good you know, job, buddy. That's, that's know, it's, really it's, to be uh, highly commended for that. Yeah, and they still get sore, but uh, he said that'll go away eventually. So You just okay. got to keep going and strengthening it to, yeah. to get to the point where it doesn't bother you. And the you. problem I was having, it had been so long since it had had anything done to it, you know, any kind of exercise, I was having trouble getting up out of chairs. Yeah. Because how that is. the legs are not strong enough no more to push me up. So, and I've gained about forty pounds because all I've done the last year and a half is go home, sit in a chair because that's all they wanted me to do. Yeah. And you walk with that knee brace. I've had blisters on the side of my legs. I've had blisters on my kneecaps. You know where that thing rubs on it. And but I was sure proud when he told me I could get out of it. I bet you you were. So Dave, let's do this guy named Todd. He's got a two thousand eight Dodge charger rt eight cylinder 5.7 all right the taillights on my charger blink like hazards and when i turn on my lights sometimes the taillights won't come on at all mostly that blink they blink while driving at night it's a 2008 dodge charger rt eight cylinder 5.7 liter engine 
if you'll raise the trunk, pop the covers off the back of it, take the two screws out, pull the panel out, you'll find a circuit board. Your truck has it. My truck has it. Okay. And it's shorted out and burned up. And they're rather blinking fast because they don't have enough draw for the computer. The computer tells them, hey, you're not drawing enough votes or something's wrong. So it starts blinking real fast on the dash. Yeah. And it's telling you, you know, we've got a problem. You need to stop and get it repaired. You're going to love this. I, I had a Dodge Charger when I was in college. And uh, I had the hidden headlights. Right. When you it, turn them up, they flip up. Yep. When you turn them off, they flip go back down. down, cover up. And uh, mine started acting up, and I forget what it what it was <laughs> to fix it. It wasn't all that expensive, but when I'd be driving down the road, they'd all of a sudden flip down, <laughs> and then you go another mile See, or two, they'd flip back up. All of them worked off a vacuum. Yeah, and that's all they found. They found a little leak in. Yeah, it. found a vacuum leak, and they had uh, it was strange because a lot of them cars had. It looked like one of them old big tomato cans, uh-huh. and that's basically what it was, but they used it for a vacuum tank. had a one-way check valve on it, and it stored vacuum in it, and as the headlights needed it, it'd pop them up. Then when they get a leak in it, then it would they'd fall down there. You know, you'd be driving on a dark road, and they go out. Yeah, and I had that happen, and it, it nothing is worse than be somewhere it's dark still when you get your lights on but it's really dark when your lights go off all right well let's take a break then we'll come back and finish it up with duck here on the dave ellswick show all right let's finish it up for a wednesday don't forget that uh, robert steinbach will be in my place uh, tomorrow i am uh, going late uh, tomorrow afternoon flying to orlando uh, going to be doing a a special deal at the uh, uh, universal theme park where they cut down the amount of people that can go in the theme park uh, all the food is free to me all the rides are free to ride so i'm looking forward to it tomorrow the high in orlando 78 degrees just right it's going to be perfect going to be perfect i'm looking just forward. Right. no rain the whole time that we're there in fact even flying home no rain uh going to be a little bit of partly cloudy sky here and about 30 degrees cooler yeah. when I arrive back. So anyway, that's that's what I'm looking to do. And uh, uh, Robert's going to fill in uh, Thursday and Friday. So keep that in, in gonna mind. Is he going to be here in the studio? Or? Yeah, he'll be, he'll be on the phone. Robert doesn't leave his house. Just so, you know, he does, <laughs> he does not leave his house. Yeah, I heard him on the radio this he's, morning. He's kind of a germ full, but that's, that's all right. I understand some people don't feel comfortable going out. And doing things, I don't have any problem with me that. Neither. I take the necessary precautions and I wear and do know, my thing. As you see around my neck, I you got a gator. When I put it on, when I get in the truck every morning, I put it on. Yeah, and I wear it till I get. I got two of them, and I take. I wear one for a couple of days, take it in. She washes it. I wear the other one for a couple of days, and she swaps Rotate me out. It. Yep, she swaps me out every couple of days. But uh, I just put it on and wear it. That way, if I go in somewhere, I got it. I ain't got to think, did I put it on or not? So You got your Christmas tree up? Uh, she does. <laughs> She's been decorating it. and I got, I got it's it. It's actually a, been up for a couple of weeks now. I've got to put about 10 more or 12 more bulbs on it and then, the, and then the garland, and then it's done. Plus, I have forgotten. I don't know why, because I guess it's because I plug in uh, my roof that's on the house, and it's not so bright that you can see it during the day that it's on, and I forget to unplug it. 
and I need to get my timer yeah. on it. So it goes on like at 5.30 and goes off at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You got to do that. Yeah, most people set them to go off around 10, 11 every night. Yeah. I like to have them on during the nighttime. I don't want Santa Claus to miss me. Yeah, I want to make sure he can see me. Yeah, I want Sandy Claus to come and see me. That's what they call Santa Claus in Florida, Sandy Claus. <laughs> yeah, just so you know. All right, 20, 2014 Mazda 6 Grand Touring, four-cylinder, two-and-a-half liter. Corrosion on both the terminals. Now, he's talking about the battery here. Uh, hi, the, the question about corroded batteries and what could cause it. My car might have been broken into. Nothing significant has been taken. However, uh, when I pop my hood, both my battery terminals seem to be very corroded with blue crystallish looking stuff. I'm wondering why this could have happened and if someone breaking into my car may have something to do with it. No. Now, the last answer is no. Yes. But why does it happen? Up around the battery post, they got plastic cast around them. It's leaking, letting a little bit of fumes come up through there, and that's what corrodes them. Okay, so it's something escaping from inside the battery that corrodes Comes up the around terminals. the post, and that's what makes – he's calling it a bluish crystal. It's actually a greenish-blue-looking crystal yeah. stuff. And you have to take them off and clean them. And, uh, Do they sell, sell, still sell those at, still, at The little washers, yep. Yeah, you just put that thing on top and twist it a little bit. Yep. cleans it off perfectly. They also sell the little – red and green washer that you put on it you know oh red. yeah i put this the chemical uh, on it but uh the only way to cure that problem is put a battery in it clean the battery cables good you can take believe it or not Dave, you can go buy you a 16 ounce coke raise the hood pour coke on each one of them i know i've heard and I've it heard and it eat that green junk off. you still got to clean the battery cables but you eat it down to where you can get to it to unboat it and take it off and clean it i want you to think about that if you drink coke you're putting that in your stomach. Exactly. And you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I live, when I leave the station, I live on coffee while I'm here. I live on Diet Coke when I'm not. Just the way I am. What they, saying? I hadn't had a Diet Coke, regular Coke, anything carbonated water since I was 30 years old. 33 years ago. 31. Do what? <laughs> What's the big deal? You're 31, so you've got a whole year. What can I say? Um, I had a little problem with Diet Cokes, and and I got off of them and, you know. Moved on. I drank nothing but unsweet tea water. All right. And I love orange juice. I could sit, I could drink that cup right there full of orange juice. All right. We're down to, what, about a minute and a half? Heidi, is that about what I got left now? I'm hearing music. So come on down and see us. Yeah. Duck's Garage. Go see Joe, Joe's Garage. Any of us, we can take care of you. He's trained well, Heidi. He heard the music. He yep. says, it's time for me to shut up. So come on down and see us. If you out there and you need a truck mechanic's job, come see me. All right. I need have one a, badly. Y'all have a great week. Rest of the week, I'll see you Monday morning, 6 a.m. Robert Steinbach in for me tomorrow and Friday. I'm going to be in Florida. I just told you that again, so you'd be envious. I'll talk to you again on Monday, 6 a.m. Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow
Christmas. 